0: Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at VoicesFromTheBench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 121 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And I'm Barbara. How's everybody doing? What's happening, Barb? How are things down in the uh, southern state of Florida?
1: Super hot, 95 degrees, super busy. It's Friday. We're recording this on a Friday, and I'm so ready to go for a run and start my weekend. How are you? Yeah, doing good.
0: Florida seems to be 95 degrees and hot like all the time. (laughs) Yeah, and it feels like 100. It seems like every week, that's all you say. 95 and hot.
1: Yeah, it's July, so (laughs) it's pretty hot. It's uh, brutal. It feels like 110.
0: Ugh. Yeah. And everything's still pretty much closed down there. I mean, they reshut it all, right? No, I mean...
1: no. They they shut down the bars because I think that's where everybody was catching it. But you're still go out to eat and yeah, go to stores, and you know everybody's still pretty much open. I mean, they haven't closed the mall or anything that I care about. But <laughs> you have to wear a mask in Publix, but I mean, I think that's yep. crucial for us all to do now. So, but yeah going okay. It sounds a lot worse than what I've seen. Mm-hmm. I think Miami's um, super bad, but where I'm located, I hear about it more than I have. Like, I know people that know people where I never did before. Yeah. But I don't know anybody personally that's come down with it at this point.
0: Yeah. And everyone's still healthy at night. So that's good. Yeah. So, and
1: we're a pretty big
0: lab. Yeah. And dentists are still working there. So.
1: Mm hmm. Yep. Interesting. Positive thinking of it. Positive thinking. Always.
0: We got sad news that came through in our industry last week. Yeah. Another big dental show has canceled. Mm. Last week, they officially announced the cancellation of Lab Day East. Bummer. Yeah. So last year, Bar, we went there. We set up a booth. We had a great time. We got yeah. some really good conversations recorded. Mm-hmm. I mean, by no means is the show as big as Chicago, but it's really good. And I am super bummed we can't go again this year. But, you know, I get it. Companies aren't sponsoring these types of things right now, but more importantly, it's all about the safety and health of our industry. So, I mean, it's okay. We just can't wait to get out there and uh, see everybody again and record it. It's just that we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer. So
1: yeah, you and I like those face-to-face shows, and now we're recording every Friday. Whereas when we went to the shows, we got you know six, seven, eight interviews, and you know we were able to have more content. So I really hope that we have a show to go to sometime soon, because I enjoy it as much as you do.
0: Yeah, and another thing about the live recordings, we meet a lot more people that aren't mm-hmm. you know big in our industry or have a big social media impact. It's the smaller labs and it's the owners that only has four or five. Employees, you know, those are conversations we enjoy just as much. You just we don't run into them unless we're at a show. (laughs) So
1: this week brings us a conversation that we had with the CEO of the Dental Services Group, Lou Azara. He talks to us about his early days with CabTech, going into COVID, coming out of COVID, and running a large operation and creating a culture that makes sure that every case is treated on an individual level. He also talks about an interesting concept that we've never really heard of, failing forward. So join us for some deep thoughts with Luizera.
0: Have you tried Whitmix's Veracore ZR Pro Zirconia Discs yet? They not only produce very natural looking crowns and bridges, but they are very strong at 1,140 megapaxels. When it comes to zirconia use in dentistry, high strength and excellent aesthetics is the end game. Veracore ZR Pro is available in three varieties. Unshaded for those who prefer to design their own shading scheme. Pre-shaded in all 16 Avita classic shades plus a bleach for those who want accurate shade reproduction without having to use liquid colorants before centering, And finally a multi-layered version. ZR Pro ML, which results in a natural color transition from cervical through incisal areas. Witmix's top of the line zirconia provides you with an ideal level of both value and chroma, which translates into desirable aesthetics that closely mimic that of natural dentition. So if you want to give your dentist something that is sure to win praise, send them your beautiful zirconia restoration made from Whitmix's Vericor ZR Pro. You can purchase the 98mm disc from your dealer or order directly online from shop.witmix.com. Voices from the Bench The Interview We are happy to have on the podcast a gentleman who happens to be the CEO of a small little lab you might have heard of. Dental Services Group. We welcome Lou Azera to the podcast. How are you, sir?
2: Boy, Elvis, I'm doing wonderful being here with you and Barb. Uh, thank you so much for having me. You no, know, we're
0: super happy to have you with us. You know, I joked DSG being a tiny little lab that no one's ever heard of, but you guys are quite large with uh, numerous labs across the country. How many labs are you guys up to?
2: We have 41, but I'd like to think of it As a collective of small service centers. Okay. Size is important, you know, for certain things, purchasing power, scale, you know, the ability to invest in technology. But really what matters, and I think inherently dentistry is an intimate one-on-one moment in time. And you have to really focus no matter how big you get and how you expand that that moment in time is the only thing. that It starts everything, and it really is the origin of what you become. How big you get after that, you have to manage it, but you can't lose sight of you're always small. Dentistry is a personal relationship.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So how are you guys doing, Lou, with the COVID and everything coming back up? How are you guys doing, and how are you managing it? Are things getting busier for all of your laboratories? Or are you struggling some or what's that look like for you?
2: But you couldn't give me a softball question, Barb. <laughs> <laughs> you, had to, you had to go right and I answer that on multiple platforms. So I'm going to start with our team and people. I don't think I could be surrounded with a better group of individuals and talent and just thoughtful leaders at so many different levels. As all of you know, as an entire country and world knows, this hasn't been easy on any level, yeah. mm-hmm. but the creating a plan, following through, executing the plan, making adjustments almost sometimes on a daily basis. This team has done an outstanding job, and I think our performance that we're blessed with today. You know, if you look back at this week, we could have never imagined back on April fourth, April thirteenth, in and around that time frame. As you looked out, you said, "Oh, look what we're faced with." Yeah. And now, as the businesses come back uh, and our work in progress, about ninety-four percent of pre-COVID levels, you know, pre-March thirteenth levels. And being able to manage that, as you guys know, I mean, we're not just living work. There's things and considerations at home and school and all the abundance of other uh, world life items. This team has just done a tremendous job putting us in a position to do what we love doing, which is serving the dental healthcare system.
1: So it sounds like everybody's back up and running. I mean, I know we are. I was super surprised and Totally optimistic all along that dentistry would rebound super quick. And it did for us. Are you guys seeing the same thing?
2: Yeah, the incoming is, is tremendous. Yeah. And it continues to grow in spite of some surges in the virus numbers in certain states. I'm really confident. And I think a lot of that has to do with the inherent need of dentistry. Mm. Think about it. I know there was a lot of concern you know, do I go to the dentist as aerosols? But if you think about what this has taught us, there's so many different lessons, but first and foremost is to be proactive and, and get in front of things, speed of your concern, whether it's a simple thing, if you think about it, like wearing a seatbelt, you don't anticipate to get into an accident, but you protect yourself in case. And if you're looking for protection, you're wearing masks and gloves and, and sanitizing your hands. Dental health care is really part of an overhaul health solution in getting in front of your overall well-being. Mm-hmm. The public, regardless of what you're hearing, you know, in the early news stories, think the public's coming to, hey, we need to take care of ourselves in order to take care of anyone, our family, our work colleagues. And dental health care is an essential part of doing that. To the credit of our clinician partners out there, they've always been in front of sterilization, protecting, maybe the waiting room timing and how many people are are sitting in a waiting room are different. When you get back to the operatory level, we're really so far ahead of other industries. And then Barb, I know in your lab and I've been in hundreds of labs each and every year for the last 23 years, and there is Painstaking care given to protecting from sterilization to the way the environment is and, and wiping down and cleaning way before this virus. Yeah, agree. Yeah, I'm excited that the public is seeing that and they feel comfortable going back to the doctor. They put a priority and a premium on dental health care and, and that we could be a part of it.
0: Yeah, I've told people that we haven't had to do anything extra in the lab for COVID. We just had to do what we were doing more of, Yeah, if that makes sense. We were already gloved and gowned, and washing hands is just like a thing. I mean, I didn't even know people didn't wash their hands.
2: I agree with you, Elvis, and I'm glad that it's being recognized for that. And I think going forward, we're going to see not only the work come back and the business come back to where it was, but we're going to see an acceleration. Yeah, think it makes our industry, dental overall is an essential part of the entire healthcare ecosystem. In particular, when you get down to it, dental technology, what all of us do with our colleagues do throughout the industry is such a relevant part and such an essential, feels like an understatement mm-hmm. of what happens each and every day and to provide this and, and to secure the industry spot as a big part of overall well being. You can't underestimate, there's no way to minimalize what a technician does, what a laboratory does in the whole scheme of healthcare. True to that. Completely agree. Absolutely.
0: So tell us, Lou, did you start on the bench? Were you
1: in the lab growing up? I remember you from CapTech way back when. Yeah. CapTech? Yeah. <laughs> tell us your story. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Captain!
2: Yeah, that—that yeah, that was my story, and I—and I have to speaking about memories, Barb. I remember walking into Night Dental, and one of my inspirational moments—you know, those images that stay with you—is your dad on the bench and with a model. And, and to me, that really represents. And I'll—I'll I'll certainly address your question, Elvis. But to me, that represents and embodies. You know, here's someone that's running an entire lab, one of the most successful platforms in in the entire industry. I mean, that's a lot to be said about that. Working on a single die to make it right. He
1: always was. I always remember that, you know, same here. Growing up, he was always on the bench. He would be in his office, but he would always go back to the comfort of the bench because he really, really enjoyed it. And I think that's what made him successful is that he really, really loved it and had the passion for it. And he loved people. And yeah, I remember that way back when, too. It's great. Thank you for that.
2: It's, it's such an imprinted memory on me. And it really, to me, in a, gets to what this is all about. And you, you're in a boardroom, you're creating strategies, and you're thinking about the tactics, and you're trying to get the voice of your team and, you, and who you're serving in your mind as you fill out a spreadsheet or. But the reality is it comes to the care, the deep care of a leader sitting at a bench trimming a die and being overly concerned about a couple of microns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It takes a special person to do that. And everything, every plan, every thought, every strategy is predicated on that moment and that intense care at that time. Mm-hmm. Plus, we have so many people that have started at the bench that have created these great enterprises and that that are out in our industry that represent who and what we are. And you never lose sight of that. But for me, you know, I have to live and I'll I'll start with CapTech because I I did not grow up on the bench. I did not do that. And I felt as that was a limitation. And one of the things that I've learned to do is just surround myself. Captic's a great story. I love that on so many different levels. And I'm blessed that there's still dozens of people that I'm working with today in DSG and around the industry that were a big part of that family that we created. Every single person in that building, from shipping to on the phones to collections, all came from the bench, all came Mm -hmm. from the laboratory. And I knew that I had to supplement and compliment and make sure the voices that I was hearing, the words that I was saying were being listened to by someone who cared about that micron and cared about that mm. and cared about which material, where it was made, who was making it, training, and all the abundance of factors that go in to those things. So I was not trained as a technician but uh, I learned through those around me and surrounded myself with those around me and make sure they always have a, a strong voice and influence of anything that we do. And over the years, you know, you, you do do that. You do get trained, you do design, you do get in the model room You until people kick you out <laughs> because you kill yeah. everything. Yes, they do.
0: So, at your current position, you're telling us that later today you're not going to be trimming dies. Is that what you're saying? I am uh, sharing with you. There's
2: actually a police escort removing me from the building. <laughs> you know, that's correct.
1: So, so you and your brother, I do believe, founded CapTech, right? And so that's where you started, or were you in the industry before that?
2: We were actually. If you want to go way back in history oh, yeah. selling golf ball defense. But we have a long history of starting things mm-hmm. from before we could drive to building, you know, a lawn service that paid for both of our colleges and then our other two brothers as well. I didn't know you had uh, another wow. two brothers. Wow, there's four of you. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's four of us. Cool. Four of us. And it just got better as it got away from me. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, what a blessing, you know, uh, someone that I grew up so closely with and really my best friend for so many years that we got to collaborate and co-create and and win together and fail forward together and be a part. You know, learned a lot through Nick and Nick is really the one who got me involved in dental technology. That was his First job out of college working for Williams Gold at the time. Oh, my
0: God. Oh, sure.
2: Wow, that's an old name. Yeah, imagine that. And learning from the, the greats, the Pat Signaries and Bob Ganleys of the world. Yeah. Really uh, great history. And he's the one that pulled me in and attracted me to this. Uh, CapTech. we were co-founders of the second iteration. It was really and I, one of the things that made this so great and were able to do millions of units every year for about 19 years, was that it was created from the minds of a doctor and a technician that had no desire to make it commercial. They just wanted better care. And I think it represents a lot of what we see in a, a technician. They just wanted to be better. If I introduce a new material, I want to try this, it said, no way, this doesn't up to what I want, the standard, and some of the things that we want to do. And there's this inherent desire, and I, I believe it galvanizes our industry and it galvanizes the people in our industry. Regardless of your opinion, regardless of what materials you like, what software you like, what mill, etc. cetera, there's a commonality in the fact that you don't stay in this industry unless you care and want to serve other people. And if you think about it or back to your dad at the bench caring so much about that one die mm-hmm. that one patient yeah. right? but being able to scale that at such a massive level that a typical technician over the course of their career is going to serve 60, 80, 100,000 people. Wow. It'd be hard pressed to imagine an industry where you could serve in a lifetime a 100,000 people yourself. And imagine you, Barb, as a leader and all the other leaders and Elvis, all the other leaders out there, when you scale that up and you think about the people you influence. Now you're talking in the millions of people. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: You can't do that. I cannot, uh, no one's ever been able to answer that for me. How many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of lives this profession influences and improves upon? Yeah.
0: It is pretty amazing when you think of the scope of things. You know, we tend to think of it as a day. We have so many units that we did and maybe the full arches stick out, but. You're right. Every single one of those changes a life somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. So you started CapTech with your brother. How did that come about? You said you you were the second version of it?
2: It had started with a supply company, Leach & Dillon. Mm-hmm. And then okay. that changed and restructured. And I, uh, in the Florida market, which uh, I had been a part of, it had done fairly well. We started our own training. Senator Zank, Sue, some really great mentors and leaders, Al Falastri, a number of people that had helped along the way and just saw something special in it. And I felt attached to it on a number of different levels. And at the end of the day, it really came to the labs that I was serving. They were better off. They were excited about it. They felt like they could produce a better restoration. Mm -hmm. That changed hands The the two founders had approached me. It's one of those moments in time, Elvis, that they had said, you want to be a rep? I said, you know, let me start something and let me build a distribution company to support. Yeah. It. I believe in it, and but I'd like to do it in a way that's technically driven. I don't really need a Salesforce to push this. I think if we give the right technical support, it'll grow. It'll t- take wings. And at the time, I mean, there may have been eight thousand dollars worth of sales on a monthly basis. If that, yeah, I don't know if it was really a job to be honest with you. Because first envelope that looked like a check was a bill, and uh, <laughs> but you know, but before long, I had enough people around me that and a, and a tremendous amount of goodwill just blessed with that. In, an, in a couple months, we had a company, yeah, you know, what went. From a uh, you know a couple hundred crowns, one to millions of restorations over a course of a time. It was a lot of fun, great memories, uh, and just things that you learn from. I, I think what and we try to do this here is that it was so analytical, was so focused on this scorecard and that scorecard. What I was blessed with was the ability to fail forward was the ability to make mistakes loud and correct them. And that's what experience is predicated on. And I think in a way with all the data-driven decisions that we make and the endless scorecards that we lose sight of the entrepreneurial ability to make a mistake, is that it really creates the experiences that we learn from. Oh, sure. trying to, you know, replicate that in a world that's fast paced, that we're always judging what happened today, how many units did you do last hour, how, you know, what you performed, all important things in the world we live in, but try to balance that with the ability to uh, applaud the failures, applaud the mistakes, applaud the decisions that didn't turn out, and covert, you know, reinforce that you had to confront reality. Yeah, we for sure. Made some decisions, right, that may not have panned out a day later, a week later during this whole phasing of COVID, but it wasn't go back and beat yourself up that you made the wrong decision. It was the team's ability to say, hey, we thought this, we made this decision and it didn't work out. We have to make adjustments.
1: I love that. That's so true. You don't rag on yourself for doing something wrong, but you know you're trying to do the best that you can, be it good or be it bad. And then you just have to get back together and say, okay, what are we going to do now and how are we going to make this better? That's really well said and so true.
2: I I hope that stays with us. I hope a lot of lessons through this stay with Mm us. Community, the protection, the self-awareness, but most importantly, that. Is to give our, ourselves and give the people around you a shot to catapult forward, learn from experience, and make adjustments. Mm-hmm. And not come unglued because something didn't work out. It's easy to say, but it's a, it has to be in the front part of what we do. You know, we're asked to look around corners, each and every one of us. And you're trying to measure someone else's expectations. I'm with you, Barb. I think. Uh, I'd love to see more of that. I'd love to see more of that in me and being patient going forward in our managers and our leaders and, uh, but act quickly. Yeah. I and mean, I think that's the other thing that this turned. you know, we're not going to be in the middle of the road for that long. Yeah. We're going to make a decision. We're going to empower people to make a decision and we're going to get to one side or the other and not going to get run over in the middle. I really think that that starts with the environment that you create and your willingness to accept things that don't turn out. Yeah. Because you paralyze people, if everything that happens, they're going to get berated about. And I, I want to encourage our ability to calculate, make conscious decisions, but also to encourage, hey, it may not turn out and let's make adjustments from that, but make a decision.
1: Yeah. Make a decision. I love that. That's so empowering. What's it like for you now to manage so many laboratories and not a lot of traveling? So are you based out of Florida and do you just do a lot of phone calls and a lot of web calls or what? What what is your life like the last two months?
2: Uh, that's a great question for me. And I'm reflected <laughs> on that. Uh, Hilton is missing me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet you so are you the know, airlines. TV, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, the airline certainly I uh, may have shaved off a point of GNP. Yep. Uh, but you know, you adapt. I love the face to face. I love going in our labs. I I love being part of that. Uh, I enjoyed so much seeing what we just spoke about. You know, someone caring so much about that single case that I only see in a spreadsheet Yep, And, and seeing people express themselves and, and it really brings to life what that is. So that's always been a part of my DNA. And I like being present. So that part I thought I'd be challenged with, and I was initially, but you adapt, you learn to engage a different way, whether it's Zoom, FaceTime, and, and you get into the element of what the environment gives you. So I'm doing everything. You know, one thing I, I have noticed that in the past, when it was a phone call, you may be looking at emails on a conference call, you may be doing something else. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that I'm being so much more attentive and forget about emails. If I'm on a zoom call or it's just that just like you would in front of a person. Yeah. You don't pick up your phone. If you're speaking to someone, right. And in texting, as you're talking to somebody else, sometimes, you know, that's in the context of what you have to do when you're hopefully you pre warn people, but uh, I'm finding myself much more attentive on calls and much more engaged on Zoom meetings, on GoTo, on team meetings, whatever that platform may be and and not distracted. And and, you know, you get so much more fulfillment out of that and enrichment. When you're really, really listening, which I enjoy doing and I'm, I'm a learner in my heart, you hear these different perspectives and it enlightens you. And you get to take in so much. And imagine now that you get to, you know, not just get enriched by a one visit. Uh, there's a good shot is speaking to three or four dozen pros and different perspectives each and every day in the world that we're in. Yeah. So that I, sure. I miss it, but I've found a new way to be enriched and a new habit that I hope to take with me for the years to come.
1: Yeah, I think we all uh, got burned out on traveling. And now we're like, God, I wish I would travel. I really want to see everybody and network and talk face to face. And and I think that sometimes we, you know, think that we have things so good or so bad, and then we don't have anything and you miss it. Elvis and I have had to cancel about four of our in-person meetings and all of our NADL meetings. And my God, I wish things would get back to normal a little bit, but I guess this is the new normal. And I quote that and I hate that, but it's true.
2: Yeah. It's tough. You know, uh, there's a lot of things, even just greeting people. And it's always been a big enjoyment for me. Is just seeing people, whether it's you guys at a trade show or any of our colleagues in the course of the industry, there's a lot of enjoyment out of that. Yeah. And now it has to change a little bit. Yeah. We'll find a way. The feelings are the same. Right. But the Mm. experience, I think uh, we're going to to create a new sense and develop a way to engage through voice, through video chats, through different things. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll adapt and enrich. And you know what? When we can get back on the field where that becomes common, which I think we'll find a solution to make that happen, Mm -hmm. it's even going to take a new higher level of appreciation. Yeah. That when we each other again i know i'm going to feel that seeing both of you you know at some point in the future it's going to be that much more special yeah oh absolutely couldn't agree more
0: so lou how long have you been with dsg when did you join
2: october 2016 16
0: yeah so when you joined have you grown since then or
2: oh boy i have to share elvis uh, You know, being on the outside of lab and serving labs and, you know, with the deep desire to always be a part of building solution, whether it's growth or efficiencies, Mm -hmm. I always had a deep respect and appreciation for what our technicians do, what anyone in the lab does, but seeing it live and really being a part of, of this and the mechanics and the heart and inspiration and the perseverance and the struggles and I am forever changed. And I think I've done more personal growth since 2016 than I've ever done in my entire career. Wow. And to get the perspective of the decisions you make and how it influences not just what someone does, but it influences someone's desire to serve, which is so it's almost like breathing. When someone wants to serve another person, it's just a a, a thirst And things that stand in their way, whether it's a process or a change in in something, there is a need to breathe. There's a need to understand. There's a need to figure out, you know, this works into my world. And to get to see that firsthand really has had a dramatic impact on me, my outlook, my appreciation and uh, my reverence for Hey, when something comes out of my mouth or a decision that we make that may be removed at the moment from the bench to reconsider mm-hmm. that and make sure that there's someone that's been on the bench that will be on the bench that's in the room kind of guiding the light of back forward and the reality forward. Mm-hmm. I think it's of vital importance just in decision making and it's also becomes of vital importance as we incorporate technology, Yeah. not desensitize what someone's attempting to do. I think it's a lot to consider. And I, I've learned so much you know, uh, about the industry, about the people really driving the industry, which are the individuals in front of each and every case, and about myself and, and how do you make decisions? How do you look at the world? And And some of the considerations that I may not have been front and center for me in the past that are now very vividly front and center for me today.
0: Well, they always say that working in a lab will change a person. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. I would hope that the world could come and see that and define healthcare, define dentistry by coming in a lab. Oh, sure. You know, I think our partners do a fantastic job of representing the essence of care and what the industry does for the public, what their doctor does for the public. But behind the scenes, that next layer deep is another thing that I, I hope one day is fully exposed. And I bet you'll see a dramatic, even a more dramatic increase in patients wanting to access dental health
0: care. I do too. Yeah, I've always been an advocate for Public awareness of our industry and making them aware of what we do and choices that are made not based upon their best interests sometimes and uh, it's important that the
2: public knows. Yep, knows the framework, the structure, but also the people. Yeah, wouldn't you agree? If if we had a public spokesperson, Barb would be the ideal (laughs) person. Uh, Have you ever met someone who so intensely cares about serving and getting it right?
1: Thanks. Why do you think she's on this podcast? Oh,
2: my (laughs) God.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Elvis picked me up a long time ago. when We were in Chicago, and we are still here two years ago. Thank you for that. So what's next for DSG? What are you guys doing? What are you thinking? Anything that you're going to expose yourself to on the podcast?
2: Yeah. A lot of... Soul search, and we do think that COVID will have long-lasting impacts. Nothing dramatically different in the bigger picture, but some of the trends, the digitization, the forms of distant communication, the desire for engagement with the balance of manufacturing, predictive manufacturing. I think all those trends that were kind of inching along have gone on fast forward. Yeah, for sure. Which is to condense consolidation of the trends, what may have been subtle and kind of sluggish, which starts and stops, will become exponentially quicker over the course uh, of the next 12 to 18 months. Mm. What may have taken five years to incorporate will take two, Mm. in my opinion, and we're gearing up for that. So I think that has some serious implications. Uh, One, the speed of your investments and your ability to, you know, trial technology, incorporate AI, incorporate advancements, whether it's printing, milling, or chair communication will have to be rapid fire. You have to be really good at incorporating quickly. And I think printed dentures is a great example or something that's printed new. We're doing fine the old way. Maybe people argue it's not efficient, but reducing a lot of removals each and every year to you know hundreds of thousands of patients. And you know, I feel like we do a really good job at that. And uh, our team continuously educates themselves and and gets better every year. And maybe digital's part of the answer. We'll have to learn how to incorporate that quicker without compromising the standards that you are expected to deliver and you want to deliver. Hmm. And that goes back to what we speak speaking about, decision-making. Uh, I think you, you have to deliberate, you have to have a plan, but you have to put that plan, you have to be on the field. And I, I don't think the distant leadership will be as impactful in that world. I think you have to be a player coach. You have to, as any leader, department leader, uh, lab leader, or uh, whichever position you hold, you have to be on the field. And you have mm-hmm. to know things in real time. You have to get real time feedback yeah. to make the right decisions quickly and make the right adjustments and to incorporate uh, technology or whatever you're incorporating uh, is. And and I think uh, the other thing that we're going to see that we're working on is how do you get more intimate communication chair side without showing up? Yeah. And you take that file and make that a real-time engagement? And how do we blueprint everything? How do we put our best minds, our dental IQ on the front end of the process and engage so that we can blueprint and take advantage of predictive manufacturing? Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of applications out there that can mill to 0.2, 0.5, can do things that are exciting. But unless you get the blueprint right, unless you have all and invest heavily in that front end and that moment in time when you have a file or an impression, whatever it may be, and deeply understand the doctor's vision, deeply understand the materials that you're going to use, we're going to invest and spend a lot of time in that part of us, And then everything else will work out. But if you don't get that right, you don't have really good decision-making, really good talent. And most importantly, our industry, whether you're doing it by hand or your thoughts, it's experience-based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And we need to persevere and make sure that our technical team that's seen tens of thousands of cases have a very important role in every aspect of our decision-making. Most importantly, that front end before we touch a single burn.
0: The question is, how do you do it on the scale of DSG, though? (laughs) I mean, rolling out technology at that scale must be intense.
2: Yeah, you know, it it is and it's not. You're blessed. You know, it's always, you have this one foot, and you can't forget this. You have this one foot in current day. The doctors still send you an analog. They still want pickup and delivery. They still want a certain technician. You know, and you have a lot of respect and reverence for that. But know that. Yeah. It's hard to scale that, but can't ever discount that that's a reality, right? And that's what they expect. That's what their practice is predicated on. That's what you're delivering. So you almost have to create a subset of yourself and continue to deliver on the expectations, but build these microcosm ecosystems that you can migrate to. So those... Two things in and of themselves are not the big challenge. The challenge is the journey. When you do build that platform that's a little bit more scalable and that fairly represents, you know, and, and mimics the doctor's preference, represents what our thoughtful, you know, experience, technical expertise is delivering is how do you message and journey that, hey, this expertise is going to be delivered in a more scalable fashion and that we're going to mimic. Because it's not a start and stop, right? It really is a journey. Mm -hmm. And and it's highly communicative. Uh, uh, You can't just tell the doctor, hey, we were doing this with this person. Now we're going to do it in a machine three states away. It has to be something that they participate in, and it has to be something that mimics what they were getting. Uh, And it can't be void of that voice and that knowledge that they're accustomed to hearing from. Yeah. Uh, And I think some of the failures uh, and the failures have been, you know, a couple fold when it's been this complete leap. Hey, we were doing it this way. We're going to do it that way. Our clients will love it. I've never seen where that's the case. Yeah. They need that voice. You can represent that voice in a scalable fashion. But it really is a journey. So I think as as much as we're going to focus on speed and getting on the playing field and making decisions, we're also going to be equally thoughtful in how we journey from what we are to what that scalable, predictable platform is going forward.
1: Well said. Thank you.
0: That's a lot to take in. Um...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll say. So I've got a question. So have you seen an increase in the number of digital impressions coming in? Digital scans, I should say.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So we're actually at 108% of pre-COVID levels as far as digital. Yeah. Pretty sure that we're experiencing that as what's exciting is it doesn't appear to be clinicians that bought a new scanner. It appears to be that clinicians that were maybe underutilizing or utilizing for a certain segment and not another segment of their practice had expanded utilization. And those that may have pushed it aside and tried it have re-engaged. So two Mm -hmm. things I think are telltale is one, the incredible increase in volume. We had seen this through the, the multiple phases of COVID, certainly coming out of it, it That recovery happened, you know, at the end of April, beginning of May. But it also seen a a very strong increase in the desire to engage. Can you help me with this? A single Mm -hmm. plant work. I'm not quite capturing the margins. There's a high degree of desire to learn. Where in the past, you know, I'm busy. If I have to do uh, an impression and, and use Pressure material, you know, that's easier for me at the moment than stopping and learning a new characteristic. But I think this not only benefits patients and doctors and the practice in our lab, but it really helps put us on the fast track of evolution. Mm-hmm. Getting better in an analog world, you know, I'm a big believer. And I know both of you are just uh, even more fanatical about training right? And you always want to empower yourself. You always want to learn. Mm-hmm. But in the analog world, if you get 5% better inside a year, that's a lot if you think about it. Yeah, I agree. In the world, we could get 2%, 3 4% better every month. And we could store and relearn things that went wrong and, and things to learn from. And then we can take advantage of innovation quicker and more easily. So I am so encouraged with the trend that I'm seeing in digitization on the clinical side and encourage in our ability to to fast track uh, learning and fast track getting better. and, And it's going to make the world and the experience better for the entire industry and the entire healthcare system.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot of downside to the whole digital impression no. revolution, I guess it's called, and it's definitely still involving. Mean, do you see it bigger in some labs and parts of the countries
2: than others? Countrywide, you know, it's pretty uniformed across the board. Okay. What I do see is that you have a champion in there that, that's encouraging to a doctor. We've seen much more intake and that's a a big takeaway for me. And I hope for my DSG colleagues and the industry colleagues. It's pretty difficult, right? You have so many things to face with as a clinician. And I think just some encouragement, some positive corrective actions and just, Hey doctor, you could do this. You know, this file may not have worked out. It may have been easier to do a typical impression, but stick with it. And this is what we can do for you going forward. And I mean, it sounds simple, but I I think that's the first thing all of us feel that way, right? When you're learning something new, whether if you had your first Zoom call and it was a disaster, you turn off your camera, right? You're not going to learn under that. Yeah. It absolutely, at the very best, it slows progress of learning. Mm -hmm. We need to encourage our clinical partners to, hey, just let's work through it. I know it's more time to start with. Let's get these first five right. Let's get the next dozen right. The other side of it that I think will reinforce an exponential growth is as laboratory partners, we need to ensure that it represents what they're looking for and that we make it better. Make that experience better on time delivery, you know, hit the preferences, you know, allow the deep thought that inherently exists in each of our technical leaders to be exhibited through digital world as it was in an analog world. We encourage doctors, we act as a platform of helping to adjust this, and then we make the experience better. And I think you'll see this industry before a blink of an eye at seventy, eighty percent digital transfer.
0: Yeah. Even just this week I've had At least three doctors called just to find out our opinion on scanners. And I think that says a lot. When they're calling the lab, I got no investment in any of these machines. I make no dime. It doesn't matter to me which one you buy. But they want to know from our perspective what's the better one. And I know that's just going to continue, and I think that says a lot about their trust in our industry as they move forward with this partnership in digital.
2: Well, it, it does, and what an exalted position when you think about it. And how often does a clinician come to you, each of you, you know, and ask things like that? One obviously speaks volumes about you and their reliance on you and their trust in your opinion and perspective. But also, it, it's something in our industry that we should be proud of right? Each of those questions, but we should also take with a large degree of reverence that we're responsible for knowing our craft mm-hmm. and technology and understanding how it works and what's simple and what's more difficult. And it really thrusts us upon uh, not only leading in knowledge, but we need to deserve that. Each one of us should always strive to Get on a higher level through continuous education and knowledge and, and experiences and be able to, you know, have those experiences, gain the knowledge and be able to share them. You know, platforms like that the two of you have developed, you know, create that ability to scale learning and, and share experiences that one of us may have had. And now we can share with uh, an abundance of others and make the entire industry better. That's all
0: we're trying to do.
2: Exactly.
0: So, Lou, I know that, you know, Barb's the president of the NADL and I also sit on the board, but I, I also know that a lot of our board members on the NADL, the foundation and the NBC all are part of the DSG group. And I think that speaks volumes on that people in your organization also want to support our industry.
2: I am so proud to uh, of our industry and being a humble part of it and our team. Uh, and I'd like to say, uh, you know, I've really lifted off their shoulders, Dennis, Rebecca, Daryl. You know, yeah. there's that give up their time to, to do that, and it is a major priority for us. It's a major priority for me personally to pursue education to support our industry. But it's really their leadership that has exalted our position. And we have calls, uh, network-wide calls, three times a week through this. And there's not one of those calls that doesn't reference that. And there's a big drive within our organization to have improved numbers of CDTs and the benefits around that. It makes us better. It makes uh, the industry better. It makes the company better. And I think we have a better avenue. I feel strongly that inherently people are in this industry because they care and they want to serve. But with that desire in itself is not enough. You have to sharpen your skill set, you have to live to standards, and you have to be involved with those driving. So I thank both of you, our entire company thanks both of you for your leadership and desire to help all of us get better.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's been really good for us. Super rewarding to have people like you on this podcast and be able to talk through things and see what's going on and how you're getting through all of this. It's really endearing to me and Elvis, I'm sure. I speak for you, Elvis, but I know you love this as well.
0: Yeah, it, it really says a lot. Nobody's in this industry because they like the hours. Let's be yeah. honest.
2: You um, <laughs> may be violating minimum wage laws if you look back. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm actually off today, but, you know, it's actually off yesterday and today. First time in about eight months that I, I oh seized the opportunity and got the out of the lab. But I've been working both days. So,
0: yeah. And even when a lot of us were not working, we're still doing something for this industry. If it's Barb and I doing a podcast <laughs> or other people doing CE credit mm-hmm. or, or going to a seminar or, or an event or a lab day, I mean, we just live and breathe this industry. And you know yeah. what I like most about here you, Lou, is, you know, you think of these large corporations and you think they're just trying to squish the little one and they're trying to be the biggest one. But all I hear from you is the importance of the people and the importance of the industry. And that is huge. I really appreciate your stance on yeah. our industry. Yeah.
2: Can only hope, and this is the big faith is that what's in my mind and heart comes out on the field. Right. And sometimes I get it wrong, right? It does not exactly translate, but I you know, I know the intention will drive the will. And the will is there to get this right and to exalt the platform they've been blessed to be a part of. And that platform is really technical. It's technicians, it's people that serve doctors, that's who we are and what we are. Part of my, you know, existence is just making sure that they have the right platform to operate from. And all sincerity, sometimes the decisions you make doesn't come across like that. But, you know, we're blessed enough with, technical and dental IQ around me that, you know, you make the adjustments and you you get it right. Well said.
0: Well said. Lou, we're coming up on an hour. We appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. That was some really good stuff. Thank you.
2: Honored. So honored to be a part and to be asked to join and respect you both immensely and you create, and hopefully when the public, when 60 Minutes shows up and wants a positive story, <laughs> that they reach out to, to both of you. <laughs> thanks.
0: Lou, we appreciate it. Thank you yeah, so thank much, you. sir.
2: Thank you both.
0: We'll talk to you soon.
2: We'll speak to you soon.
0: And hopefully see you even sooner.
2: Yeah. I look forward to that. Thank
0: you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you. A big thanks to Lou for coming on the podcast and talking about the DSG. We love hearing about labs, and I especially love hearing about large labs that see the importance of strengthening our industry and the importance of the technicians.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I really like to hear the story about Lucy and my father so many years ago and having such an impact on him. It's really cool, you know, when you grow up in this industry and you've got to... A father that started and we go on interviews and you know people bring him up so thanks lou i appreciate the uh, nod to my dad
0: no one's talking about my dad
1: oh, <laughs> way, they probably i'm sorry
0: they probably never met him it's all good <laughs> i'm gonna be honest with you barb when we went into this interview i always thought of dsg or any of those other large multi-state lab companies i always felt that they were all about the numbers you know how many units can we get out in a day and it was always kind of a quantity over quality But after talking with Lou, I see that from the top, they still care about the technician and the patient. You know, I respect what Lou is doing, and I appreciate the time he also puts back in our industry. He's changed Mm -hmm. my thoughts on those whole large group labs, and I appreciate that. Well, thanks, because I'm coming from a large group lab. Yeah, but you're not multi-lab, you know? Mm -hmm. You're not like multi-lab, multi-state. Yeah, we are. We're in five places. Are you really in five states?
1: Yeah, we're in Baltimore, Connecticut, Mississippi, Florida, and New York. Shut up. I had no idea. Yeah. So it's Lexer, but they're under, you know, Thompson Suburban, Precision, Blue Box, Knight, York. That's a huge lab. Yeah, there's about six of us.
0: I had no idea. I thought you were just one big lab. Yep. We've been talking for this long. I had no idea. Do you get to go to the other labs any?
1: Yeah, we do. Actually, I've been to them a couple different times. We used to travel, you know, and have meetings at oh, different sure. locations and bring everybody together and, you know, just tie us in as a big team. But of course, we haven't done any of that for a while, and I don't think we're going to. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. They care about the people and they care about us working together in our laboratories. Like I'm doing all their cosmetic work from Baltimore. They send them down here. I send them back. And so, yeah, I like it. I'm enjoying it. I had no idea. That is crazy. That Well, there you have it. Well, I have respect for all of those labs except for yours.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, that's great. I have a whole new perspective on the whole large lab, multi-lab group.
1: Sometimes when you think of corporate, it gets too big for the concept of corporate. But, you know, again, it's our industry and we still have that small thinking where we think about the people, not small thinking. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, like small lab, small teams, everybody working together cohesively. And so we still actually have that. So I'm, I'm blessed. Yeah, that's cool.
0: I had no idea. So we haven't asked in a while. So we thought we would. Anywhere you listen to this podcast, be it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, TuneIn, Overcast, or any of the other many platforms you can find us on, we'd ask if you'd please leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Not only do we get to hear from you... But the more reviews we get, the more chance we have to be seen on recommended podcast lists for other listeners. Hmm, Cool. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't we want more people to know about our industry? Just trying to spread the good word.
1: Yep. Do it. And if anybody wants to come on the podcast, let us know. We want to showcase anyone within our industry. If you have a good story or something to share with us or you know somebody that would be a great guest, send us an email at info. At voicesfromthebench.com, and we can start making arrangements as soon as possible.
0: Well, we appreciate it, everybody. That's all we got. Have a good week. Have a good one.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. I
1: gotcha.